Good morning, Riverside. Please join me in prayer. Bless us this day, O Lord, with vision. May this place be a sacred space, a telling place, where heaven and earth meet. Amen. This morning we start a new series called In the Meantime. And during this series we're going to be looking at some themes that have to do with interim times. Interim ministry is what I am here to do with you. And that is, really, I look at interim ministry as building for the future. And so the next few weeks we're going to explore themes that look at that space in between, which is looking both behind us and ahead of us at what might come next. This morning, we're going to look at a passage from the prophet Jeremiah, Old Testament prophet. And these are verses that come right before what is one of those verses that if you've grown up around the church or you've spent any time around the church is a very popular verse, and that's Jeremiah 29.11. We're not actually going to look at 29.11 today. We're going to look at the verses that everybody ignores, the verses that come right before that promise, that great promise of Scripture that we find there. So as we look at this text this morning, um, a couple of things just to kind of give context. The first several verses of the text that we see in 29, Jeremiah 29, 1 through 10, uh, verses 1 through 3 really just give us some historical context of where uh, the people of Israel are in exile in Babylon, and who it is that is sending this letter to them. But I think even more helpful to us than the historical context of this particular letter letter is uh, looking for a second at the prophet who is giving or sending this message to the people of Israel in exile. The first thing Jeremiah does is he sets up and lets the people know that this is not him just sharing his opinion or his thoughts. Um, This is a a message from God to the people of Israel. Verse 4 says, This is what the, the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. A couple things about this verse that are important. The first is that Jeremiah very clearly wants the people to understand that this is not just his opinion, but that this is God's message to them. The other thing that I think is interesting uh, and important is that second part of that sentence. Uh, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. It's a reminder that Uh, The people of Israel did not end up in exile by accident, and they did not end up there by uh, just because the ruler of Babylon decided that he was going to invade Israel and take them captive. No, it was God himself who willed that the people would be sent into exile. And we know this, um, that the realities that contribute to this are the fact that Israel has wandered and forgotten God's ways, and and he repeatedly warned them before this came about. But when Jeremiah starts his message, he reminds the people that it was not by accident uh, that they ended up in Babylon. 
So now Jeremiah has set this message up. And the thing that's important that we will hear very quickly, and the reason that we're not looking at verse 11 um, this morning is because before Jeremiah gets to the promise of verse 11, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, a beautiful promise. The problem with humans, and we know this because we skip these 10 verses but when we look at that promise, we don't look at the fact that there's uh, a period of time or um, some realities that have to be dealt with before we can get to that promise. In other words, it is uh, most likely uh, the words that we're about to look at are not what the people in exile wanted to hear, but it is what they needed to hear. Now, it's also important to recognize that the prophet Jeremiah is a prophet with nothing to lose. Um, one of the reasons I love Jeremiah is because he's so raw and so honest with where it is that he finds himself. If we go back a few chapters and look at chapter 20, uh, Jeremiah kind of in this chapter reaches the end of his rope. In verse 7, he says to God, you have deceived me and I was deceived. And then he goes on to complain that um, he decided to not speak God's truth to the people of Israel anymore, but when he tried to be silent, it burned in his bones and he couldn't keep it in. It's like he's come to this point where he realizes that um, he has no choice. And um, he also complains in that chapter about um, that he has to announce all this bad news to uh, God's people. And then in verse 18 of, of chapter 20, he, he goes so far as to say, why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? Um, he's very aware that he is not a popular leader. He's not a popular prophet. But before we get to the heart of Jeremiah's message, it's important then to, to recognize this part of what a prophet's job is. I would suggest that a prophet's primary job is to be a truth teller. It's to speak the truth. It is not to be a fortune teller. Oftentimes when we hear the word prophet, we think of somebody who tells about events that are going to happen in the future. And I would suggest that actually that part of a prophet's role is secondary to uh, being a truth teller, to revealing what is broken or sinful in the life of Israel, and then announcing what will happen in the future as a result of that if they don't address that, those issues. So in some ways, the job of the prophet is to force or to invite the people to recognize the why of what it is that is going to happen or has happened more than it is to announce uh, necessarily what will happen in the future. It's all about telling the truth. And this is important, I think, in our context. If we look um, at verses 8 and 9 in this um, text... Verse 8 says this, Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. 
The relationship of truth and hard circumstances is what's in view here. The exiles want good news so badly, apparently, that they are encouraging the prophets and diviners to have dreams that give them that good news. And in some sense, it's almost like they're actively saying, lie to us. Tell us, uh, tell us half-truths. Tell us what we want to hear so that we can feel better about our situation. It's eerie how familiar this sounds to us. We as humans have an amazing capacity to repeat behavior over and over. And one of the things I love about Scripture is that so much of the human condition is the same. That when we look at this, it's hard not to hear in, these, in this warning that Jeremiah gives the people a warning for us in our current situation. This is like uh, those in our culture, in uh, our country, who refuse to engage the reality and the danger of our current situation, seeking more palatable predictions than the experts are giving. They are encouraging the prophets and the diviners to dream dreams. Tell us what we want to hear so that we can feel better. You see, in hard times, it is our desire to have things go back to normal or at least have the promise of normal right around the corner instead of engaging the reality of what it is that we face. The exiles, the Israelites in exile in, in uh, Babylon, were actively encouraging these prophets to tell them what they wanted to hear rather than helping them do what needed to be done. What we want to hear is good news. What we need are leaders who will tell us the truth, especially when it is not what we want to hear. You may have heard the phrase uh, used recently about conspiracy culture. This is uh, a reality that we see in our culture around us, and uh, it's true both in the church and outside the church, but it's a culture where everything is suspect, especially experts. I mean, why should we believe someone who has devoted their lives to learning about complicated subjects when we can just go online and find someone with no training who confirms what we already believe? We want to hear that things are going to be okay. We want to hear that we're right and everybody else is wrong, regardless of whether or not that has any basis in reality. We do this in all areas of life, politics, medicine, religion, uh, whatever it might be. The reality is, is that we have to find a way out of our, our culture of distrust to engage with reality in healthy and truthful ways. Jeremiah invites this. Even though it can be hard to hear, there is good news in these early verses. In verses 5 through 7, Jeremiah tells, comes to the people of Israel and basically tells them uh, what they need to hear. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. 
Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. What is Jeremiah's word to the exiles? I think you can sum up his message in the words of Andy Dufresne from the movie Shawshank Redemption. Andy says to his friend, it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living or get busy dying. It's as if Jeremiah is saying that they should prepare to be in Babylon for the foreseeable future. They're going to be there for a while, so they might as well enjoy life. They might as well build families and put down roots and build community. What can we learn about our current context, our current circumstance from this text? Well, I think Jeremiah's message is applicable to Riverside and it's applicable to us in our wider situation in isolation as we uh, deal with the realities of this pandemic. And quite frankly, what that message is, is this, that God's plan exists and is fulfilled in the mundaneness of everyday life. God's plan exists in our normal, everyday lives. So often as individuals and congregations, we're tempted to believe that God's kingdom comes in the big event or the flashy presentation or um, you know, the, the showy thing, whatever that might be. But here we see God at work in the slow, steady pace of ordinary life. Live your lives, build community, have families, thrive where you are, and seek the peace and the prosperity of your city. That's an interesting phrase as well. So not only are we to simply live our lives and to thrive where it is that God has planted us or put us, but we're to seek the peace and prosperity of our city. Imagine hearing this as an exile in Babylon. You've been carried off forcibly and, and put down in a, a place that's hostile to your very way of life. And the good news that the prophet of God brings to you is, settle down. You're here for a while. You might as well enjoy it. Build houses, plant gardens, have families, and seek the prosperity of Babylon. What does this phrase mean? Seek the peace and prosperity of your city. Well, seeking here is exactly what it sounds like. It's an active pursuing of peace and prosperity. The actual word that's used here for peace and prosperity is a word that many of us are familiar with. It's the word shalom. Now, shalom is um, a big concept. It's a concept that includes peace, but not just the aspect, um, the absence of conflict, but prosperity. And not just prosperity, but health, general well-being, uh, financial prosperity, justice for everyone. It's a big concept. 
So what the prophet is telling the people of Israel in living in Babylon, in this hostile city, is for them to seek, to actively pursue shalom for that city. We are called to the very same thing. We're called to seek the prosperity, the shalom of our city. We're to actively seek the good for our neighbors. We're to actively seek justice for our communities. We're to actively seek prosperity and health and well-being for our communities. What does that mean in our current context? Well, for us, it means that we gather virtually instead of in person because the good of our neighbor comes ahead of our gathering together in the same room. That's one way of seeking the shalom of our city. What if this in-between time in the life of Riverside and in our wider culture is an invitation for us to really seek after shalom in our homes, in our lives, and for our communities? Not through big, flashy experiences and offerings, but through the power of faith lived well in community for our own good and for the good of our neighbor. This is what I think Jeremiah's word has for us in this in-between time. It's an invitation to a, a thriving life that is good for us, but is also good for our neighbor. It is my hope that as we move through this in-between time, that we can see in the mundane details of everyday life, and yes, even everyday life as we are locked down in our homes, that we can see God at work in these mundane, everyday occurrences, that we can seek the good of our neighbor, even when that neighbor, uh, the way we seek it is to not be with them. Friends, as we continue to move through this time in between, it's my prayer that we will seek God's shalom for both Riverside and West Lafayette and beyond, because that is what God's people are called to. Amen.